Welcome to A Beautiful Faith. My name is Ryan Becker, and I am joined by Henry Johnson, and this is the wonderful podcast where we give voice to all that makes faith beautiful. Uh, the idea being that faith is beautiful, and while yes... I disagree. You're fired. Um, just kidding. You're wrong if you disagree. The No, I quit. Oh, okay. Well, then um, you're hired. Now you're fired. Um, the... Uh, I disagree with this whole line of talk. Good. Um, but no, the the entire point of this is, uh, yeah, we complain a lot about faith. A lot of people do. Uh, things that happen in faith, I should be more specific. Um, but I think for a lot of us, um, it can be easy to lose sight of some of the things that, you know, keep us faithful, are the reasons that we are faithful people to begin with. And, and as uh, many are putting their faith back together after maybe questioning a lot of the things that they were taught growing up or things that they may have believed at one point in their life and no longer do. Um, as they're putting their faith back together from that, it is important that we focus on some of the things that uh, can get in the way of that journey and how we can wrestle with those and deal with those. And so um, that's what we're about. And uh, so I'm excited as we talk about one more of those things today. Um, and if you haven't caught on by either the episode I'm title excited. or Henry's incessant arguing with me, disagreeing, <laughs> it's not arguing. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's his incessant disagreeing with me. I don't agree. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say, no, 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 we're arguing. That's what I was hoping you would do there. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're talking about disagreements, which this one, I don't know. No, we're not. Uh, the. I swear, if you do this for an entire hour, <laughs> we are going to lose everyone. I'm going to stop listening. I disagree. Um, They're the, coming for... Okay. The, we'll get more people. Um, no, no, I, I think this one... I don't think the word disagree gives enough... Um, I don't know if the word disagree... So you disagree with the definition of disagreement? I just don't know if it gives enough weight to what we're talking about in a way that... What I don't want someone to do is listen to this and think that we're talking about just like, I think the carpet should be red and someone else thinks it should be green. Like... Well, that's how most churches split. I agree. I mean, I disagree. But what I what I mean is like, there there's a broad spectrum of disagreements, right? So... um. I think within faith, uh, within faith, I think all of us really want to figure out how to get along, right? I, I, the ideal would be, I would hope, right? The ideal would be that there that we would all be on the same page, uh, you know, in and and kind of believe the same things and act the same way and have the same expectations of one another, common ground and and rules that we follow, things like that. Like we're all playing by the same playbook, and. Um, you know, there's a strong desire for that, right? All of us, all the time that we spend arguing is trying to make other people believe the way that we do, or at least abandon the way or voluntarily leave the way that, uh, they believed before or the belief system they believed before. And within Christianity, I think a lot of this comes from, um, that, you know, that famous prayer in John 17, where, where Jesus is praying for unity in his followers. I mean, that's the number one thing that I always hear referenced uh, when people are talking about disagreeing with the church and, or when they're talking about things that are already a, a topic of disagreement and, and a point of debate and arguing back and forth. And they'll say like, yeah, well, you know, Jesus just, it, it's almost used. John 17 is almost used as this passive aggressive weapon now. 
because by by one side to the other. And I've seen it used this way where people will pray um, before some big meeting or some big conversation. You know, they'll, they'll say, we should pause and we should pray about this before we talk. And they'll say, Lord, you know, we just uh, want to pray for unity. You know, you prayed that, that we would all be one in you. And like that person has absolutely zero intention of changing their mind in one, you know, in any way, shape or form. So what yeah, if they want everyone else to be unified in their correct? Opinion. They're praying that God would change the other person's mind. That's what that really is, and and, and it becomes this kind of passive aggressive weapon against others. And it's often used, I think, to call for, you know, a phrase that I a phrase that has become a lot more popular, I think, in the last decade. But uni, uniformity instead of unity. Um, this idea that that we would do everything the same way, have and everything would look the same. Um, and I think there's, and it's mainly it's mainly the look because you can't tell what somebody's thinking. Correct. So they don't care if you want to believe it personally in your mind, but you better get with the program in everything that the the organization does. Correct, and and that's why the organizations tend to hyper focus on anything that can be seen. This is why we, uh, this is why organizations will will talk a lot more about things like, uh, or this is why Christian churches will argue a lot more about things like premarital sex. Um, or just sexual activity in general. But how do they see that? Yeah, right. Well, pregnancy um, versus um, or someone stayed at your house or whatever versus, um, you know, versus a church leader that's dealing with pride. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, it's, it's a more invisible thing. And so we tend to be hyper-focused on a lot of visible things and not so much on the invisible things. Um, but you're right. It is a very like uniformity feels very shallow and it can be, I think uniformity is easier to fake than unity. Um, but I think it's important that we define both of those things, I guess, before we move forward. What say you, Henry? What say you? What say me as far as definitions? Yes. Well, I mean, obviously uniformity would be, being similar or the same in every aspect, right? If you're, if you're just looking at the basic term, I mean, you, you know, for example, if you think all of the cupcakes are uniform in their appearance, right? You, you, uniformity means it should look the same. It should taste the same. It should act the same. It should smell the same, et cetera. Yeah, that when you look at right? it, you this, know, it is this. And when you look at any given sample of, whatever the bigger group is, you know, it's this, right? Like uniform cupcake. I know it's this kind of cupcake because it has these specific features and the, right. Yes. And, and we should, and we should stress that uniformity in some things is not bad. Like we were just using with this thing. I like to know that when I go to a Chipotle, that I'm getting the you same did product that to hurt me. And it worked. I just want to be clear. <laughs> you did that to drive a knife through my heart. And you did. <laughs> I am so it sorry. It worked. I was actually trying to use an illustration to help you relate, but I didn't think about how in this COVID-19 time, that would be very dramatic for you. I do that apologize. That hurt. I love Chipotle. When someone mispronounces it, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts me. Oh, and here I thought it was the illustration, but okay, the mispronunciation. Yeah, I did that on purpose. <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> anyway, wow. It, but my point is... Right. I want the product to be this. I want to know there's consistency, right? A franchise would want uniformity. Yep. That's how it works. If I pull into a, use another fast food chain that's not even close to Chipotle, Taco Bell, right? If I pull into a Taco Bell, I expect the thing to taste the same there as it would at one, two states over or one, five hours or whatever. Yep. 
So, so there is a certain thing about uniformity that can be good. I think we just want to get that out of the bat. We're not necessarily against uniformity. I think what we're going to be getting into is we're against uniformity as a club that is used to ignore other situations and circumstances and necessities. Yes. Ba- basically using it as a weapon for your own self-interest. I would, I would say, you know, on, on the flip side of that, then uni- unity being um, that a group is, is, has common you know, goals or beliefs or mission, but there is, there is freedom for individual expression. Um, so you're rooted in a, in a common, common theme, common goal, common argument, right? So uh, the idea would be uh, with, let's, let's continue with the cupcake analogy. The idea would be that um, there's this, there's all of these cupcakes and they're united in the fact that they are cupcakes. They are dessert. They're me- meant to make you smile and taste good. Um, but there's a chocolate one. And they will deliver way too much sugar. Yes. Um, yes. But there is now there's a chocolate one. There's a, you know, there's a, there's a vanilla one. There's a lemon I don't know, whatever one there's, there's a funfetti one. And so there's, there's the common, the common, the common goal and, and the common idea of what something is, is shared by the entire group, but there is freedom. Uh, there's freedom of expression within that, that allows for kind of uh, more unique identities or um, yeah. I, for lack of. Yeah. yeah. Be, be, because to a certain extent, if right, if, if uniformity or, or unity means all being exactly the same in every particular, then one is n- unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. When we're, talking about, when we're talking about people, I do want all of my bridge pylons to be uniform if they're all supposed to be the same height and whatever. I'm not saying, well, one should be slightly different. That's not my point. But like when we're talking from a Christian perspective or the church, which is where we're about to get into, right? Biblically speaking, unity and selfless love through diversity is divine, okay? And maybe I'm getting ahead of ourselves here, but like when I look around even in nature, I, I believe the God of Scripture cherishes and relishes in diversity, right? You have a million of the same species and not one looks exactly the same or acts mm-hmm. exactly that, right? Okay, but, that's, but that only works when it's united in, 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 the, in the same motive and like selfless love. And I think that's what we're going to get into where this thing breaks apart because diversity doesn't demand division though it can be exploited for such yeah and and i and i think that's the thing that scares people because because it can be easily exploited they try and push for uniformity usually I, i'm just going to assume people's best interests are our best intent i'm going to assume people push for uniformity partly to try and prevent that exploitation but the problem is is that uniformity tends to be just as exploited by wickedness and evil than it does, I think, where they're trying to go with that. So, yes, yeah, I would agree with that 100%. So what usually happens then is, in, in, in all of this, is that um, the, most of us, uh, you know, factually speaking, um, while we prefer for other people to kind of be like us, and that's why we do get into these debates and want to change minds and whatever else, uh, overall, we end up disagreeing a lot shocker whether that's in the political dun, sphere dun, dun. or just you know family matters or um usually, usually religion and politics are the top two which is why people say never discuss which this. is funny and this is what i always say to that is it you know they say never talk about religion and politics and then we wonder why everything just keeps getting worse in both arenas because no one's actually yeah. willing to talk about it so 
the uh, but yes, yeah, so those are the two places. And so what ends up happening for someone who is on their reconstructive journey, someone who's putting their faith back together, if you're in this boat, then what you'll likely start to see is um, certain things happening that you disagree with within the church. Or let's say, as you've deconstructed your faith, ask questions and, and abandon old beliefs. Well, if you're rejoining the church and you're rejoining Christianity and there are Christians who are doing the things that you've since abandoned, by definition, you disagree with them, but you may even come to see what they're doing as harmful. And the reason that you left whatever way of thinking that you had before was specifically because you felt it was harmful either to you or to other people. And so there is, there, there comes this, this very, very powerful and loud tension that exists, I think, as a result of those disagreements. We're not, while yes, we are talking about things as simple as, you know, the church leadership team or board arguing about what color the carpet should be, but we're also talking about, you know, the way that you do mission work, the way that you go about doing church life. We're talking about uh, actual church beliefs and theological understandings. Uh, when we use the word disagreement here, we're talking about the entire spectrum of it, and we'll try to be specific, I think, when we're talking about one you know, tiny angle of it, but we don't, we're hoping that with what we're talking about, we're hoping that this, this extends and can have principles that apply to any, anyone on that spectrum of disagreement, whether you're someone who's incredibly angry over a disagreement or someone who's just like some small thing that you've kind of not really needed to deal with or wanted to deal with a lot, but it's probably something you should get to at some point. Um, or else it will become the big yes. one because it festers. Exactly. Yeah. So wherever you are in that, we, you know, I, I hope this conversation is helpful. I just really want to drive the point home that we're not trying to dismiss anyone's experiences or the strength or intensity of the feeling that you have over whatever it is that you disagree with the church about or your specific local church even about. So I hope that gives that enough weight. Um, but yeah, so, um, I think the the easiest thing to do would be to kind of start to categorize these and talk about what kinds of disagreements uh, we normally run into. And I think specifically we're going to talk about that within the realm of Christianity. We are talking about faith. So, yeah, let's talk about this within uh, within Christianity. Um, so, uh, Henry, I know what I would say here, and you're welcome to steal one of them too, um, but what um, what would you say is, you know, one type of a disagreement that we that we can have? Well, there are definitely several. Um, you've you've listed uh, three of them, and I'm not going to actually steal them from you. I'm going to talk about a disagreement that kind of encompasses all three. Categorizing the disagreement. It is it is amazing how much we disagree about how to disagree, mm. or what should be disagreeable. So, in other words, you're you're going to list a few things. Well, different people have different perspectives on what category something is in. So, for example, I'm trying to talk about this without giving away your categories. But I mean, like, I can just give the categories might... real quick. Yeah, okay. go ahead. So the three, I when I was thinking about this, I wanted to kind of give us three broad brushes to paint with, or three big umbrellas that we could talk within. Um, and so the big three I have within church tend to fall under these three general categories. Uh, the first is theological. So this has different beliefs or different core doctrines, right? This, this is your intentional interpretations of your held interpretations of scripture. 
um, and your interactions with God, right? Humanity's interactions with God. Then there's missional, and that's the differing over the goals of your initiative or, your, or the, the goals of your organization. What are you trying to do with your church um, or your small group or whatever? Um, and then the last one is methodolo- methodological or disagreeing over methods. Um, these are, you know, this is differing over just the different things you do as an organization in order to accomplish the goals that you have the different ways that you go about doing life and doing church. These are, um, think of liturgy, think of music, think of the way you, you know, what food you allow in or out of your, you know, things like that. These are the methods that we, the way you preach, all of it. So yeah, those are the big three that I would categorize as, as a way of kind of general giving us a frame of reference is theological, missional, and methodological. Right. And now that makes it a lot easier to say what I was trying to say at the beginning. One of the big areas of disagreement that encompasses the three is people disagreeing over which category a particular thing is in. Mm. So in other words, there are some people that will think that a particular belief they have is theological. This impacts directly on how they view God, how they understand scriptures, etc. And then they'll get upset because someone else will be like, well, that's just your preference about missionology. Right, that's just how you're going to go about reaching somebody, but that's not that's not that's not important enough to elevate this. So, like one area, I'm not saying, and I'm and I'm going to be trying. I want to try and be careful not to like categorize an illustration at the same time if it's a contentious one. But I, w- I want to give you an example where this would happen a lot in a lot of different faith communities. Take something like, what is your stance on homosexuality? This is a big area where this happens because you'll have some people that say this is definitely a theological area of disagreement. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be other people that go, yeah, but it's actually just about mission. It doesn't impact anything theologically. It's just how you're going to reach this group of people or not or what. And then people get really entrenched in whichever side of that they think that lands. And part of the disagreement lands because depending on which category you put it in is probably the priority you you place on resolving Correct. it. Correct. Right, and that and that's the only reason why I'm trying to bring up like an illustration like that. I'm not trying to say it's not theological or it's not missional or whatever. That's beyond the scope of what we're saying here. What I'm just trying to say is that's an example I see a lot of times in churches where this is part of where the disagreement comes because depending also on where you categorize it, as I said, becomes the priority in which it should be addressed, and that causes a lot of conflict because something that's very important to you, if someone categorizes it differently, they might not think it's very important to solve now, and the disagreement then comes over the timing of why we should deal with this or not, yeah. or how soon we're going to deal with this or not. And so, yeah, I, I think categorization would be another category that kind of encompasses them that causes a lot of disagreement in church. Because well, and- if someone thinks music, for example, mm. is theological, but for you, it, you know, or the other one thinks it's preference or whatever, you know, the difference between this is important to know about God and have the church succeed versus Ah, it's up to anybody what they care to think. Yeah. That's going to impact a lot of how somebody addresses yeah, that. Yeah, and there's, there's, I mean, th- there's different ways to say some of this, too. Like, there's essential versus non-essential. Um, there's, or you know, uh, non-essential versus, or preferential versus required. Uh, things like that. There's different things you can agree or disagree on. And I think what you've touched on with, with your addition of categories themselves, you know, the placement of uh, of a topic or idea within the category um, lends to something that was going to be made clear a little bit later naturally, but I think it bears saying right now, uh, which is this, um, 99.9% of the time, granted, I know I'm making that statistic up, 
but it is likely that you will not be able to fit one any given topic into only one category. It is likely that you're going to have to wade through multiple categories in order to resolve the, you know, resolve the disagreement or resolve the issue. And but if I have to wade through all of that, that's going to take a lot of time and I just want it done now. Yeah, bummer. Um the <laughs> um but like that, like that's just the reality of it. If 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 you really do believe it's preferential, and someone else believes that it's that it's theological or uh, you know missional in nature, well then guess we have to resolve that piece of it, and then we can resolve the rest of it, right? There's no, and it's not that we're going backwards by dealing it with it in those areas. That's not it at all. We're actually moving forward by dealing with it in all of these areas and making sure that we're not just resolving a disagreement for temporary. Uh, for temporary peace, but we're resolving an agreement that actually establishes unity and creates stronger bonds moving forward. Yeah, it, it, it's called, you're changing up your angle of attack. Kind of like you said, all right, so building a house requires three categories, the foundation, the walls, and the roof, right? Well, all three are important, but if you choose to attack the roof before you built the foundation or the wall, you're, you're going to get yourself into issues. And I think that's what you're trying to say, yeah. right? Is that not that you might realize you might be hung up because you recognize this is a foundational. Let's just say like theologically, it, it's the foundation and someone else thinks it just has to deal with the roof. Well then, you know, et cetera, wherever that is, you're going to have to figure out which category is probably the most important one to hit first so that you have the building block to successfully resolve the other ones. Yep. Well, and, and like, and this can be an endless rabbit hole too, but you can, yeah, this just shows, goes to show how petty we could be. You could also disagree with how important each category is. Um. Yeah, that's like, true. No, that's not a foundation. That's a yeah. yeah. So it's it's a like when you said foundation theological. So I, much disagreement. Yeah, there could easily be someone who goes, "Well, I don't know about that." Uh. So the this is this is something that can seemingly be endless. And so really, I I I do want to talk about within those three frameworks because or this framework of theological, missional, and methodological, uh, because it, it is important to uh, for us to figure out some language to talk about this within. Um, so the first thing that I want to ask is this. Do you think that disagreements in general, just like, you know, church members, Christians disagreeing with each other, do you think that is a bad thing? Like just objectively no. speaking. No. And in fact, to a certain extent, I think that's the whole point of why church was organized the way it was. That might shock some people. But I, I tend to think church should be a place of a certain level of disagreement. Mm. I, I think your church is not healthy if there's no disagreement anywhere. Yeah, I. That's well, probably that's probably going to shock some people. Well, but. and that, that's my like disagreement does not necessarily. I you may like a certain artist, and I may like a different artist. I don't like the artist that you like. That doesn't. We disagree on which artist we consider to be good or we, that we prefer, that doesn't mean that the disagreement itself is bad. Um, it just means that we disagree. We have different preferences. Um, the, but we both like music. I think there is, well, it's, it's like so many things. It's, it's the, the tool isn't bad. It's what you do with it. A hammer isn't bad. If I'm hitting nails with it, it's bad. If I'm whacking you in the skull with it, I don't think, uh, disagreements are bad. And, and I would agree that to some level, uh, the church, the church was created, I don't want to say the church is created to do this, but the church, one of the auxiliary functions of a church or a church community was, was a way was to provide an environment 
to, in which those disagreements could take place safely and in a way that actually builds and grows people's faiths. I was going to say it's 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 a place to channel disagreements that will naturally happen into something beneficial. Yes, absolutely. If people understood what they were supposed to do with them. So, yeah, I, I think disagreement in and of itself is not bad and it's healthy because just in life, not even in faith communities, all disagreement creates tension on some level and tension to use a musical term. Uh, tension is something like jazz and a lot of other musical forms love to use because tension pre- presets the brain or presets um, prepares the brain for resolution. It, it's actually, they found it gives a, a, a dopamine hit. So you'll hit an off chord that needs to resolve. Right. And the brain will hear that and go, ah, something's not right. So that when they resolve it, you get this sense of, ah, right. This, this relief and exhilaration. And I mean, it's a, it's a musical form. So the, the same thing is, I, I think disagreement is good because it creates a tension that then can allow you to find a very, not to say dopamine hit, but not that dopamine's bad in the right circumstances. I'm just saying to, to get a successful resolution that will be beneficial and bring joy and peace and happiness to people. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and that tension, that tension helps keeps, keep us accountable as well. Um, disagreements help us every once in a while, uh, the, uh, every once in a while, those disagreements or someone someone will come around and disagree with something that your denomination or your church has long uh, held as true. And you know what that does? That inspires a lot of your current generation of believers or your current generation of church members to go back to the Bible and restudy and refresh themselves on the very beliefs that they hold. And we've always ta- we've always said on this show, Henry, you've usually been the one to say it that truth can withstand scrutiny. And yeah. You have not, truth has nothing to fear from examination. Yes. And so there is nothing to worry about there if, if what you hold is true. And if what you hold is not true, then why do you want to keep holding on to it? Um, and people who disagree with us can help us see some holes maybe in that, but also can challenge us and yeah. help us even build a, um, a deeper or stronger belief in the truth that we, that we, that we have, uh, the truth that we claim. Yeah. Disagreement disagreement can also be a warning like an, an emergency signal for the community mm. because sometimes disagreement can bring up something that everybody was doing maybe even the majority of the group like for example a lot of this happens i've seen this happen in churches i've pastored where you have the majority of the community let's say it's what they're doing or they all agree on isn't even necessarily what we think is something bad and then all of a sudden a new convert comes in or someone does something and when they're in the middle of doing what we've always done and then they all of a sudden disagree out of nowhere, they're like, wait a minute, why do you guys do that? What are you talking about? We've always done this. Yeah, but that makes me feel this way, or isn't that going to do that to this person? And all of a sudden, it's like the light bulb goes off, and you're like, wait, what? Oh, we had no clue for years we've been doing yep. that. You, you know, as I said, sometimes it's a, it's a warning ramp, and, and, and warning sirens are not bad. Like, a fire alarm isn't bad if there's a fire. Yes. You know, to get you out. So that's what I'm saying. Dis- disagreement can be good, because if somebody sees something, and then they just don't say anything... Mm, you know, that, that that could end poorly. So disagreement can be a nice yeah. warning. I think I think disagreements become a problem. A when when things reach an impasse between the parties which disagree, right? So uh, there's I, I ran into this with my boss a year ago in that there's a really important event I attend every year that I love going to, um, and we were also going to have a uh, and about a week before that or a week after that. 
um, we were supposed to have a staff retreat and uh, the, the staff retreat is something that to my boss is just as important, if not more important in his mind than the thing that I go to the event that I help out with and, and help coordinate. And we reached an impasse probably for the first time in my, in the years that I've known him as a boss and as a friend, um, you know, we reached an impasse where it was like, okay, he believes that his thing is important. I be- and I, and I don't believe that it's not, um, it's my job. And here's this other event, which ties into my job, but is something that I do outside the scope of it as well. But it's something that is incredibly important to me. And he's known that for years and I can't be present at both. Like there was an impasse. There's no compromise. I can't go to both. I can't give up part of one and be a part of the other. There's like the events were too far apart. You do one or yeah, the it's other. One or the other. There is an impasse. There's no compromise. There's no, I can sacrifice. Uh, there's no, I can sacrifice a little. You sacrifice a little. Instead, one person must sacrifice their entire priority list for the other person's, you know, way or perspective or point of view or preference. So yeah, that, that would be number one. Number two, I think it, I think disagreements become a problem uh, in power differentials where power is used to enforce one way without properly listening or caring for the different perspectives um, without valuing the voices that also share the differing perspectives. Right. Uh, So this is basically authoritarian uh, power differentials. Uh, That tends to be where that is, where that is, uh, where that becomes a problem. Um, or even in democracies where one group is in control and the other one, quote, isn't. Yeah. Like one has the balance of power and not the yes. other. Um, and then it doesn't matter what you want to do because there's you will never get your way because you simply don't have the numbers. Um, yeah, we see that in yep. church too. Well, you know, three out of the four are going to do this, so they just vote it through. Um, and then the last thing I would say here, and this one is a big one, um, I'm going to trust that we kind of get the umbrella with this, but uh, when the disagreement keeps us from being able to worship together or be in the same space together. Uh, so th- when I say that too, I mean like this, this means that, you know, whenever we go into the space, we may be able to actually be in the same place and sit through the same service, but we may be upset the whole time, or we may be upset when someone else is doing something that we don't like up on the platform or the stage when, you know, while we're sitting in the, in, in the, in the church. So there's, this is a wide variety of things, but basically when that disagreement starts to negatively impact the way that you do church life, whether that's the way you regard one another, whether that's, or the community around you, whether that's the way you regard yourself uh, or value that, or your willingness to even participate in the community as a whole. Um, yeah, I think those are, I, what, would you add anything there? No, I mean, I, th- I think that hopefully is a big enough umbrella to cover a big majority of what's going on. Yeah, well, I guess we'll find out. Um, yeah, we're about to find out as we keep diving down the so, rabbit hole. You might be someone that disagrees with something. Uh, you have this disagreement with, uh, for example, I. there's a lot of people in our denomination uh, that disagree with the way that we handle uh, women in leadership positions and our beliefs on that and the practice on it. Um, the There are... Uh, so you may be someone in that boat that d- disagrees with your local church. You may disagree with local leadership. You may disagree with your denomination on certain things or one whole side of your denomination, whatever that might be. I think there's, there's this need or this question of like, okay, I want to come back to faith. I want to keep building my faith in Jesus or keep moving forward in, in the beautiful aspects of my faith. But I see this thing happening over here that I disagree with and I just cannot ignore it. 
Um, I just, it is something that I see as a huge injustice or it is something that I, you know, saw as dangerous or hurtful or harmful back, you know, when I used to believe it and I don't think it needs to be believed anymore. Um, so, or we're in church, we need to do something like we're trying to build a new church so that we can fit more people in it. Um, something is, you know, I, a simple, uh, that's still complex, but simple as, as just a logistical disagreement, um, that is that is preventing your church from being able to build a new building or get something done. How do we navigate those disagreements together? How do we navigate them individually from you know individual responsibility? Uh, things like that. What are the what are the steps that that we can take? And I'm I'm I think that this is where we get really intensely practical. Hopefully, uh, giving some practical advice and some practical steps that maybe we've even failed to follow sometimes. Uh, oh, I, I think if we haven't failed to follow these at some point in our life, we're not exactly. Um, and if anyone knows, like my platform, I don't want to say was built on disagreeing with the way things have been done, but that's absurd. Uh, but absurdity, like you know, the other the other podcast that I host was very much built on seeing things happening in society, culture, and religion that we disagree with, that we don't think should still be a thing. And we address those and we address those topics and we talk about those and we try and navigate them. So very much this has been my entire platform is trying to figure out how do we navigate disagreements? How do we navigate these moments where we see something that we just cannot ignore or that is in our face? Um, so, yeah, Henry, what would you say as we introduce this idea of navigating disagreements? Well, one of the first and largest, I think, that could change the tenor of all the rest of the things we could say is please assume the best about the person or persons you disagree mm. with. This, I mean, this is a very biblical principle. As Christians, we should be forefront at realizing this. I, this came up in another one of our episodes that we were talking about, about responsible enthusiasm. But the, the point is, the Bible says we are to esteem others better than ourselves. We have to, we have to think that the motive of the other person, whether it's true or not, right, is that they mean well, right? I mean, in certain situations, obviously you can't be like, oh, that axe murderer means well for his victims. I'm, I'm not saying be naive about it, but I'm saying the vast majority of things we disagree on, whether they feel life or death to us, the point is as long as someone's life is not immediately at threat, then we need to assume the best about people because it's going to be impossible to either A, compromise if that's what's going to be necessary to resolve this, or B, it's going to be impossible to truly hear somebody out as to why they believe what they do or why they disagree with what they do or agree with or whatever if I think they're completely dumb and deluded by Satan and under his power or whatever. You're not going to be able to have the conversation or the patience or the ability to even execute any practical steps to find a resolution. Nope. And, and I see this a lot in our own churches or even in my own life when I've just been so convinced the other person is dumb, has no idea what they're talking. It doesn't matter what they want to tell me because you know, they're dumb and I'm right and they're wrong. You will never resolve it because you can't even have the conversation. You, you zone out and you just wait for the silence. So you can immediately get talking and you talk past one another. Yeah. Instead of to one another. So I, I think the very first step is you have to assume 
the best intentions of the people you are disagreeing with. Now, there is there is one specific area that I do get a lot of pushback on this very idea of considering or making sure to to assume the best of intentions in someone else. Um, and that tends to come in issues of uh, race, racial race relations and racial justice uh, or social justice in general. But it tends to come uh, within the realm of uh, of white privilege and talking about, um, you know, white people being racist in their attitudes or the behaviors that they may not even realize is racist. Um, the 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 problem comes when um, you don't when we conflate assuming the best intentions with dismissing dangerous behaviors. Um, and that's not the same thing. So correct. They, you, someone can be sincere, but they can also be sincerely mistaken. And yes, their sincere mistake can be dangerous, can be deadly in some cases. We're not like ignorance is not always peaceful and malice doesn't care about whether you have good intentions. But what we're saying is the only way you're going to be able to find common ground is if you don't start off by, by basically claiming uh, that someone is some negative, negative connotative turn that they don't see themselves as. Um, right. There's a difference between immediately calling someone out and saying that behavior is unacceptable. Let, let's, let's take your example of racism. That is racist. That is unacceptable behavior that's treating someone as inferior to you or whatever. There's a difference between calling that out in a loving way versus going, you were a lifelong bigot who did that on purpose. And why would you do such a demeaning, degrading, miserable thing to someone? I mean, you're a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Which unfortunately is what (laughs) most white people hear when, when they are told like you're being racist right now. Because again, they make the same. We make the same mistake. On the flip side, we assume negative intentions about the one. Well, they're just trying to find something to pick on because yep. they want power or what? Wow, I really channeled like some sort of southern grumpy chicken, like Looney Tunes. Why well, say <laughs> here? Why well, well, say right, here? Leghorn, Leghorn, calm um, down. But anyway, <laughs> I, I know it's amazing. You start talking about racism, and the southern comes out of you. That's scary. Anyway, the point is, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not touching that one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ooh, like Jim Crow. You can't touch that. All right. So point point is you still, it, it goes both ways. You have to assume the best about people, but that doesn't mean you stick your head in the sand on bad behavior. Right. And I think that's what he's trying to say. We're not trying to ignore that. We're not trying to say, well, you have to think the best of them. And so, you know, even though they weren't meaning to be racist, if what they did was racist, you should ignore it because they meant well. No, you should call them out on it. But there's a different way to address somebody that did something by accident or unknowingly versus addressing it to somebody who's doing it on yes. purpose. Um, now, it'll be a different thing if you start talking to them, assuming the best, and you start realizing they did do it on purpose. Like, if you're like, didn't you know that's horrible? Yeah, I did that on purpose. What? Yeah, because black people yeah, suck. I had a... Right? Well, now you got a different yeah. issue because now they're obviously displaying their intention. But until you know that, you can't make I actually decision. had a, a really good friend of mine, and our friendship kind of... Um, our friendship kind of went, uh, or its decline started in this moment where I, I don't even remember exactly what the situation was. I just remember this exchange that we had where he was going to do something. He was telling me about some decision he had made or was, or some action he was going to take. And I said, dude, you know, that's not right. And we were close friends. Like this was, this was the kind of person that at the time, like we were the kind of people to each other that could say like, dude, you know, like you're making a mistake. That's not right. And that, you know, we wouldn't necessarily take offense, but we would actually hear each other out or, you know, know that that's grounded in more than just 
uh, more than just being confrontational. And he, he turned to me and said, Oh yeah, I'm you're right. Like what I'm about to do is terrible. Still going to do it. And he said it with that kind of flippant dismissive word, you know, those words and that attitude and that tone. And I was like, cool. Well, there goes that then like, um, that was, that was the moment where I realized like, okay, then this is no longer that friendship where we hear each other out anymore. Um, and ultimately if he's decided that he wants to do something, there's, he's not going to listen to those that are, that are close to him. Um, and that was, but that happens. And until you get to that moment, you do, you need to operate with trying to not necessarily give the benefit of the doubt all or assume, you know, full innocence on, but at least be patient and not jump to, uh, not jump to the term that they may have a completely different connotation around such as racism. Yeah. When, when you, yeah, when you jump straight to the, well, there goes that, um, well, that's going to cause you to react to the situation or deal with the disagreement in a way that is not, I don't want to say not re- well, no, I'll just say it. it's yeah. not redemptive. It becomes addressing a problem, mitigating a problem versus saving someone out of the situation. Because if then, you know, and, and that's how a lot of times I think we start there. Yeah. We're not trying to change anyone's mind truly or hear them out or do anything that's going to, that's going to bring all of us along, even though we talk about uniformity by uniformity, you mean quick cut off the stuff that doesn't match because it's not worth our time. It's never going to resolve itself anyway. Well, if if you go into it like that, then you're going to get exactly what you're yep. after. Um, the and and I'm gonna. There's one more thing on that. I'm gonna touch on a little bit later. Um, that that tends to be a, a counter argument to me whenever I bring that kind of thing up. So I'm I am gonna bring it up, um, in a little bit. But um, so once you've considered, once you you know keep that in mind, keep someone else's humanity in mind. Basically, uh, the the second thing I would say is, um, like we need to be approaching these things with prayer. Um, and when I say prayer, I mean a genuine prayer for God's will and, you know, a solution to be found, not a prayer for the other person to conform or, uh, or give up the caveat here being kind of what we just talked about, which is like how people pray for unity. Uh, oh Lord, we need unity, but well, what they mean no, but is, I mean like change the if other their behavior is actually dangerous, then there's a then I, you know, there might be a difference there. Right. Um, uh, right. You know, Lord, please change. We're just going to go there. You know, please change Hitler's mind. That'd be great. You know, really? Yeah. You had to bring but, Hitler. But like, this? do you see what I'm saying? Like, yes, there, there is a line there, but I mean, in general, we're talking about objective things like who gets their way in a church service or whatever that doesn't necessarily have its roots in human value or worth. Um, that's what I mean there. But yes, pray for, you know, a genuine solution to be found and for God to intervene the way that, that he would see that would see fit to do so, giving him that kind of permission and access to your heart, um, and to your situation. Um, and then, you know, in addition to that, I would say then, um, before there's even a conversation, um, there should be a moment of where, where, you know, I self-reflect self-reflection. Yep. <laughs> there should be a moment where I saw just like before you use that Hitler joke, which I did not see coming. Yeah, fair. Uh, yes, I saw really that. Re- yep. Yeah, well you should. Yeah, you should really reflect on its usage, just like me in the electric um, chair. The yeah, where where are you willing to give, if anywhere? What are your non-negotiables in the thing that you're asking for, and why? 
Like, why is that a non-negotiable? Why is something else a negotiable? In other words, understand and be willing, be already ready with what you're willing to give and, you know, give up when you enter that conversation, because otherwise you're going to be at an impasse very quickly as you realize that you're only asking them to compromise, but not yourself. Um, well, and the other thing with not self-reflecting first is that no matter how well you're prepared for disagreement, emotion will come into it, and emotion will cloud your ability to think on the fly yes. about what's your non-negotiable or what is negotiable or what does it impact. Because the, And that's just natural. That's not you being horrible, but emotion just overloads the system. And so in the heat of the moment is not the time to debate which of this was actually important. Yep. Um, and I, I, you know, and I think in this, um, I, I think in this self-reflection too, uh, one of the things that you have to reflect on is ha- have I considered the other perspective here or have I not at all? Um, do I consider it even valid in any way, shape or form? One of the things that I've learned is that I've, is I've gotten a lot more headway in conversations, whether on social media or in person, I've gotten a lot more headway in affirming the other person's position as much as I could rather than reading their entire, in other words, we have to, we think backwards. What normally happens, and this happens on Facebook is you'll read someone's comment to you, you know, their really long comment and you'll find the one flaw and you'll ignore everything in their comment and, and go, go straight, straight yep. to attack and that. you'll 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 dismiss their entire comment based off of the one hole that you found that you can disagree on and that's what most people do and you hate when it happens to you and what i would say is try and do the exact opposite try and think from their perspective or you know dive into their beliefs and find as much as you can to affirm and to yeah. agree with because that's where you're going to find common ground You'll never find common ground if you only focus on the things that you, you know, on the aspects that you actually disagree on. So I, yeah, yeah, that, that all needs to happen pretty much before anything else. Now, granted, if you haven't heard their side of it, then yeah, the consideration thing happens throughout all of it. Well, that's part of your self-reflection. You probably, you probably need to try and find someone trusted with that opinion outside of the immediate disagreement and hear them out. Absolutely. Not everything has to be solved unless it's a life or death moment where someone is literally in the midst of being suffering abuse, racism, something else. But if it's outside of that, and this is just a verbal, this is what I believe. Well, this is what I believe. Oh, that's dumb. But it doesn't have to be resolved immediately. You can take a moment to step back, reflect, consider, get your information and come back to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, and then I, this is why I brought up the categories earlier. I think we want to talk about, um, the the how do we navigate a situation or a disagreement that falls within one of the categories that we mentioned prior theological missional and something to do with your methods or your methodological uh, areas in in situations so um you know with theological i would say this this once again has to do with your beliefs these are things that you actually believe so it's not um so we we brought up homosexuality or lgbtq plus issues earlier um the different the, the the differentiation here would be that theological is do I believe that that the um that the full exp- the fullest expression of someone with those um you know with that identity uh the fullest expression of romantic relationships with someone with the, with with that kind of identity LGBTQ plus um, is that sinful or not that tends to be theological versus um how do we handle that when it comes to 
Uh, do we allow it in our, do we allow them to become members of our church? Do we allow someone to do, you know, what if they are, uh, to have that, leadership yeah, correct. In it that, too. that is where you start to get more, um, more methodological yep. or missional. Correct. Or, so that's yeah. the kind of delineation here is what do I believe about something versus how do I handle that certain something? Um, and theological, I think, uh, the first things that w- the, f- the first thing that we need to do is actually get to know each other and have those conversations where we listen and we lay out beliefs and not just lay out the beliefs themselves and sit there and try and read the Bible, but also try and identify why those beliefs are actually held. So not just logic or a list of verses or proof texts, but also um, what are the experiences and what is the life background of the people that have, that have grown up believing this? Um, that have grown up or, you know, grown up believing this or that believe this now, what are the things in their lives that brought them to this point? What, what interactions or encounters that they had with this topic prior to this disagree, this per this, this current disagreement happening. Um, and if you haven't caught on that, yes, there's a ton of work when it comes to disagreeing and resolving disagreements, I should say. Yes. And if you want to stay, and if you want to stay lazy, you will get what lazy gives nothing. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely agreeing with you there, and this might sound heretical, but even coming from a from the Bible, we see evidences that it wasn't just it wasn't just hearing the other opinion with the Bible open in front of you and then fighting over the verses, which tends to be how we try and resolve theological debates. We try and do the who's got more Bible verses, right? Well, they got 27, and I have 28, so ha ha, I win, I'm right. Uh, you know, Bible verses are, don't get me started in that about the, the chapter and versization of the Bible as it yep. is now, but we tend to take each one as like some sort of scripture bullet and we load it into the submachine gun of our Bible and we're like, ha ha, I've got more ammo, you're toast. Yep. And and might makes right theologically. And that's not, not it at all either. In fact, one of the biggest contentions we see in the Bible uh, is a very famous one in the new Testament when it comes to Christians that we always think about, which is in acts 15, where there's a great, uh, the Bible literally says there was great dissension and debate, which is, which is really a kind of um, light translation of the Greek (laughs) there. It it was, it was a, it was a full blown, like this is not going anywhere. Good. It's like church splitting kind of like whatever and when you watch in that whole chapter how they had to try and deal with the issue that was at hand which they believed was a scriptural issue the church was only able to come to a resolution of the matter when it considered the evidence of three distinct yet related data mm. points uh for for example first you think they opened the bible and tried to figure it out and then they were done and that's usually where we stop but that wasn't actually this is why i said it would sound heretical but i'm showing you i'm getting it from the bible it, it, it actually it wasn't just the scripture they looked at, because I don't know if you've noticed in debates, somebody always seems to have an opposing scripture. Yep. Or they'll use the exact same scripture to prove an opposing yep. point. Right? Like take, for example, even in our own denomination, the, the debate over women's ordination. There's only so many verses dealing with ordination, and people will use all of them and say they mean the complete opposite, but both sides are writing papers and saying stuff using the exact same five verses. Yep. And you're like, what? How will I ever know? You know, because it's just, it's all the same verses. There's no like shoehorn. So anyway, they didn't just do that. What the first thing they did was they examined the historical record of God's working on that particular matter up to the present point. Mm. So in other words, they went and they said, okay, 
how has this issue been dealt with, good and bad? How did it work out? How did it not through history up to this point? Then the secondly, they examined, this is very interesting, they examined what the Holy Spirit was doing at the present time with regards to the matter and in the lives of those affected by the issue. Mm. I mean, this was huge when I saw this, because I'll be honest, the first two I didn't normally do. Let's be real, the debates I got with theology, I was just pulling out verses, right? But they'd say, okay, how has this been dealt with historically, good and bad? What's kind of the theme we see working here? Second of all, what's the Holy Spirit appear to be doing? And some people might say, well, you don't understand what this, you know, that that's not really the spirit. Okay, that's a different debate. We're just saying it takes all three. Okay, what is it doing now? Or what is he doing it? I mean, I don't want to say it is it genderless, whatever. Now I'm getting myself all tripped up. My point is the Holy Spirit, member of the God family, what are they doing and how is this issue being affected? You know, what what what's the character look like of the people affected by this issue? And then third and final, and this is where Scripture does come in, then they determined where Scripture could clearly be seen to line up with the first two evidences. Mm. This was huge, right? So then they put all three of those things together, and where all three data points intersected was understood to be the answer that was sought. But even more impressive is once they arrived at an answer, the church was then... encouraged to continue studying the Bible for further growth and understanding on that same issue. So they're like, okay, here's what we think is the answer, but we're still open to that changing in the future as we understand more. It wasn't just a one and done. Right. And, and I find that both liberating and extremely helpful and fascinating when it comes to theological, Mm -hmm. you know, debate, what's the history, how is this impacting the lives of people you know, affected by this? What's the character of the people advocating for both sides or not or whatever? And I'm not saying one is better than the other. You have to examine it all. Like you said, you can't be lazy in this process. And then finally, where does scripture seem to line up with these other two? Where do all three intersect? Then we have to agree that that's going to be the best answer that we have for now. And we're going to encourage everyone to continue to study scripture, history, and the Holy Spirit. Mm. Continuing from this point forward on this issue yep, and others. Absolutely. So um, next we're going to move to missional. Um, and this happens to do with, you know, what your goals are as an organization, as a church, as a, um, as a, um, as an institution, or just as a community and small group. So uh, these are, we want more baptisms. These are, we want more people as members. We want to uh, grow tithe. These are, you know, whatever. These are, this is the why you are choosing methods, not the methods themselves. So, um, yes. What, what do you hope to accomplish? With your so, method? uh, this will, and, and here's what I, here's what I was, was hoping would come out naturally that now I'm just speaking to, which is that you usually can't deal with one of these without dealing with the others. Theological tends to be the one that you can, uh, but missional usually ends up going back to theology because your theology will, will ultimately impact what you think, yeah, your, what mission you think is? your mission is. And if I believe that I, um, if I believe that my goal is to, if I, if my goal and my beliefs is different than your goals and beliefs, then, uh, then our mission, our goals are different. And so we're naturally going to come to an impasse there. So what needs to be resolved or at least brought into harmony is our goals before, you know, and, and it, that may need to, that may mean that we need to go back into, um, into theological and, and understanding why we have those goals to begin with. Um, but we need to do so, and we need to evaluate, I think, the pros and cons of each other's goals um, 
without being insensitive to the experiences of others. So one of the goals that a lot of people will have with ministries that we that some of us may think should be long dead or you know done with in the church, um, a lot of the sometimes the goal is I want someone to have the exact same salvation experience or you know that same kind of community and, and life changing experience that I had through this thing or that my son or that my daughter had through this thing. And I believe this should exist because, because of the experience that I had that I want to be replicated. Um, in which case, okay, then I, I don't, I, I need to speak about this thing within the, um, while being sensitive to what this has meant to you this entire time. And that's like, you have to speak with, with, with an air of sensitivity in mind to the lived experiences of other people. That happens to be, uh, that has, that has to be key when you're, when you're talking about mission and, and differences in mission and what your goals are. Um, so yeah, I don't know, Henry, what you have to add there, but that is the most important thing to me right now. I agree. Great. Um, the third one methodological, this one tends to be the one where we get stuck on the most, um, or the most most common because we conflate it with with yes. theological. Um, and I actually have a sermon about this that I have my only uh, my sermon uh, that uh, uh, all the only person to ever stand up, yell in protest, and walk out of my sermon happened during this during a sermon about this very thing. And oh, I remember and this ironically, story. by doing just that, he walked out or he proved my point for me which is hilariously ironic to me. Um, but the idea is, is this, this will usually go back to missional um, because you have to determine a common mission or at least some commonalities in mission before you can determine a common method. Um, but this is where unif- unity versus uniformity takes the most shape um, because unity, uh, unity would allow for individual expression of a common goal. We want to baptize people. My church is going to do it this way. Your church might do it this way. Your church might do Bible studies on this area uh, or community work in this area, whereas my church might do community work in this area. Your church might have this kind of service based on the demographics of your community, and mine might have this kind of worship service and liturgy structure, liturgical structure based off of our community demographics, right? Um, the difficulty here is that it is understanding that methods don't have to be the same, but they can't directly be be opposed to one another, right? Uh, in the same group, I can't preach that you should never sing hymns, and then someone else within the very same group, and we're trying to get you to join this group, tells you that uh, you know hymns are the only way that we can worship. Does that make sense? Like, um, yeah, man who keep one foot on boat, yeah. other on dock, eventually swim. I, I think a lot of the method issues get solved, get resolved if you can figure out the missional issues or figure out the, the rooted missional yeah. problems uh, beneath the methods. Uh, but the sermon, the sermon that I am referencing, I, I called it uh, fluid, uh, fluid discipleship. And the entire idea being that, um, and let me see if I can find the actual definition. Uh, I, I compared fluid discipleship to rigid, uh, rigid discipleship. Um, and the definition I gave is that fluid discipleship uh, prioritizes mission over method and rigid discipleship uh, prioritizes method um, to resolve mission. And well, is it tends to be mm. inflexible when it comes to method, whereas fluid disciples are uh, flexible to method, but not flexible on mission. And um, 
Well, he will, who won't stand for something will yep. fall for anything. And uh, one of the things that I said was a rigid disciple, when confronted with an alternative point of view or alternative method, doubles down, rejects and doubles down. And as I, and uh, one area that I was talking about, I was talking about music specifically, and this dude stood up, yelled out, doubled down, made a sarcastic comment out loud, and then walked out with his family and drove out. I could see them through the church window and they drove out. Hilarious. Um, I mean, sad, don't get me wrong, but it was just like, it was hilariously ironic, but it's sad that that had to happen. Um, but that was the kind of idea there. Um, so I would say that most of our work needs to be done in the missional and theological areas. And that takes time and conversations. Um, and this is the, this is where I want to come back to the racism. And then we'll get into one final thing um, because we're already over an hour here, <laughs> um, which is, um, the racism thing that I get that uh, that people counter argue with me a lot um, is that, and I'm trying to remember exactly um, how to frame this, but basically a person of color has often, or even a, even a, even a woman in a, in a, in a, the, the social group or racial group being in the position of oppression, uh, being oppressed they would argue that they're exasperated, that they're tired. And the reason that they, they're just like, I don't want, I don't have the energy to keep doing this ever with every single disagreement and every single time someone does something because I just, it gets me angry and it gets me hurt. And like, I just don't have the patience for it anymore. And I don't want to dismiss that to say like, well, you got to put in the work anyway, um, to the point of like, Suck it up. That's easy for us to say, not Correct. experiencing the... Correct. It was yeah. really important that I bring that up because if I didn't, I think I leave us a huge hole. First of all, I want to speak to the validity of those feelings and saying like, I don't get it. Like I don't, I don't, I can't empathize with that. Um, however, I've seen that feeling very much expressed and I hear it. Um, and I'm sorry that, that, you know, you've come out, you've come up against this wall over and over and over again. The only thing that I would encourage you to do if you're in that boat with whatever authority I have or don't have to speak into this area is to simply say, um, keep praying, number one, um, and keep self-reflecting. But number two is um, do your best not to project past experiences with others onto future experiences with new people. Um, I struggle with this. We all struggle with this a lot in relationships uh, where we bring past insecurities into new relationships and we, we project one way of behavior onto uh, like a new girlfriend or a new boyfriend. Um, we have to, um, we do have to keep some of that in check to some extent, but I don't want you to do so at this, you know, at the sacrificing your feelings on the altar of compromise or on the altar of, of peace. That's not at all what I'm saying. You can communicate the pain and the hurt. Um, I would simply, yeah. Resol resolving disagreement does not negate your emotional Correct. experience or the validity Correct. of it. So I, I just, I wanted to speak to that. I felt like it was important, um, and I am sorry if there's anyone who felt disrespected up to this point. And I hope you understand why I brought it up now and not earlier. Um, but that is something that I, I wanted to speak to. So, um, Henry, the last question I want to ask with this um, is, um, what if? What if the other side or the other party just won't listen or won't have these conversations, um, right? Dis resolving disagreements is a two is a two man job or a two group job. So what happens when one group doesn't want to participate and resolve that disagreement, whether it's because of the power differential or they just don't care to? What do we do? 
I guess that's also going to depend on what the disagreement is over. Mm. That's fair. Um, right. Right. I mean, if, if the disagreement is over, say something like you were just saying, if some sort of oppressive or abusive situation and they refuse to deal with it, nobody who is being abused should. And I hope this is also clear if it hasn't been up to this point. We are not advocating, well, you got to take your time and you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to give it time to resolve. If you are in an abusive situation, we are not telling you to stay in it while you try and work out this Correct. disagreement. You, your safety should be your first priority. That's not selfish to want to make sure you are not going to get killed or severely disabled or harmed or, or continually violated. Right. We're not, we're not saying that has to happen so that you can resolve a disagreement because that's the Christian thing to mm. do. Right. And in those situations, you need to first be safe or you're not doing anybody anything you're not helping anybody. In fact, you're enabling poor behavior that will help further prevent you from being able to get an agreement out of anything. Yep. And if you've been that hurt, you probably, this is a point where the Bible also talks about needing to bring in others to help deal with the disagreement. Yes. This isn't a, we just fight this on our own kind yeah. of thing. So if it, depending on what the issue is, if it's something major like that, then first get, go somewhere safe, get into a safe environment and yep. then address it. Okay, don't don't address it and then hope you'll become safe. Now, if it's something, I don't want to say lesser because these things can still be important, but if, if it's something that's not in and of itself abusive or risky to your other's lives, well, then the first thing, even though I don't want to hear it, is you have to be patient. Um, and you have to be willing to determine, and this kind of goes back to that self-reflection at the beginning, what's your negotiables mm -hmm. and you know non-negotiables or whatever, how how long are you willing to to wait to truly, uh, or, or not really? How long are you willing to wait? How much are you willing to invest to yep. resolve this? How important is it in the direction yep. you think it needs to go? How important is it? Yeah, because some things, some things, and this kind of goes back again to the responsible enthusiasm episode from a while back. The idea is you may not have reached the point where you understand things the way you do now to be able to disagree in one conversation or one week or one month, you know, or just one experience. And so if someone else hasn't had all of those things, you can't necessarily expect them to get it faster than you did. Mm. Right. So you, you might be having to, this, this is the thing about, you know, disagreement. Sometimes it is perfectly biblical and okay to respectfully disagree. Right. Just as we said before, disagreement in and of itself is not bad. Now, if that disagreement is going to get to the point where, like we said, if you're just sitting in church and you can't focus on anything because you just hate everybody and you're upset and all you can focus on is every time the pastor says that word or somebody up front does the thing you don't like and you're just like, ah, you know, and, and you want to just murder somebody or throw poison in the potluck line, then, you know, that's not good. But there might be times where you have to go like, okay, well, I don't see it that way, and I can tell you don't, but we're just going to have to agree to disagree right now. Mm -hmm. Now, agreeing to disagree doesn't mean you don't bring it up to other people, or and I don't mean bring it up like bring up the fact that they're not agreeing with you to other people. This isn't an excuse for you to go around, I can't believe that person's so dumb not to see yeah. it. or that. I don't mean it that way, but I'm saying if other people talk, you, you can still talk about the issue to other people. Or try and have that conversation with other people. But you might just have to be patient and say, okay, we'll just, um, we're going to respectfully disagree, agree to disagree. We'll bring it up later. You know, we'll come back to this. 
and you know you're, you're just gonna have to be patient with it yeah and um i think there is a I hate to say this, but but one of the one of the easiest ways of self reflection is really to it's I say easy it's the most easily identifiable, but it's to have your even your friends be be people of accountability to say like hey if I'm complaining about something or a situation with someone can you let me know if I, if I spill into the area of I'm demeaning them versus talking or frust you know venting about the situation itself like one of the ways that you can set up self reflection is is to ask yourself how am I talking about this with people around me? How have I been talking about this with people around me? Or how do I think about it or regard it just now? Like actually don't just think about the situation, but think about how you think about or approach the situation, because that can tell you where you are emotionally in the whole process as well. Um, but I think, um, one of the things that, that I I've seen happen more than anything else is that a lot of people, will mask their selfish desire for their for to get their own way. They'll mask that with the assertion that their method or their preference is actually what's best for the community and that they have it because of their mm -hmm. love for the community. And this is this is the one of the hardest questions to answer in my mind is do you actually care about the community beyond your preferences for how things should be done? Do you believe that what you're asking for is the best thing for your community? if it is something that has that kind of impact or do you just, or is it just something that you want? And I've seen people yeah. fight, fight for their preferences at the expense of the community they claim to love. And while fighting for something that they believe is best for their community, they they're tearing apart the community in the process, thus negating whatever positive benefits that that thing may have even brought to begin with. The way that you go about resolving your disagreements matters. And the way that you disagree and the way or the way that you live and love one another during and throughout the conflict that you're resolving matters. Almost I would I would dare say matters as much it matters yeah. more than the thing you're disagreeing with. Yeah, for the, for the most, most part. In, in many ways it does. It's at least on equal footing in my mind. Um but yeah, I I, I think the one thing that we do need to do is is foster a true love for the community that we are trying to make changes in and this is the one thing that i run into with young adults outside you know on the fringes of faith is that they will they want all of these changes to happen in the church before they'll join it and i'm like do you really care about the actual church itself or do you just like they'll talk about wanting to get in leadership positions and why aren't why am i not in those leadership positions and my first my first response to my first thought there is the reason you're not in that leadership position is because you wouldn't be in that leadership position for the good of the community. You do it because of, because you don't like the way that it's being done now. And that's dangerous. Mm. Maybe you can disagree, I guess, but in my mind, that's dangerous. Um, yeah. You're basically saying that your selfishness is okay. If it's the thing that you like, but some other leader that you're accusing of doing that very thing, that's not okay because it's not something that I like. And so there really needs to be this moment of, do I really, have I fostered a real love for this community or am I only getting involved because this one thing in particular happened to get under my skin? Um, yeah, it's, it's really easy on both sides, whether unity or uniformity debates or whether you're, you know, this disagreement is just make or break for me or whatever. So much of it is easy to couch in spiritual 
self-righteous sounding language when in reality it's just us being selfish. Yep. I've done that. As have I. Um, as have I. I'm pretty sure you can probably find countless examples of it throughout my podcasting history. Um, oh, mercy. If you went back to some of my early days, you could probably find sermons where I abused the pulpit to make my point like that. And I'm so glad those churches didn't know how to record <laughs> off of that And I'm grateful tape. for the grace and mercy extent and patience extended to me by the leaders who allowed me a platform despite me doing that. Um, absolutely. Yes. So... Um, but yes, I, I, I would say, please, like if there's one thing that I, that I could ask everyone to do, it is that foster a true Christian Christ centered love for the community that you're a part of and that you're seeking changes within, because if not, you're going to sacrifice that community on the idol of your own preferences. Yep. It's kind of like the old African proverb. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far go yep. with someone else it's it's gonna take time oftentimes i mean it's just inevitable because it's humanity it's gonna take time to get people to the destination um do you want to are you in it for others or are you just in it for yourself and that's gonna really dictate a lot of what happens on both sides including being confrontational yep. about abuse and injustice but you're just gonna have to self-reflect and ask what is this and yep, what do we do absolutely about it? so Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that this has given you some form of encouragement or some practical things that you can move forward with as you are navigating disagreements within your own faith community, whatever size or shape that comes in. Um, But we just thank you so much for listening, for being on this journey with us. You can reach us at our contact info in the show notes. Um, And thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week. 